How you doing? How's it going? How's it going? How's it going? How's it going? You gonna do the intro? Go ahead, Greg. Do the intro. Are we ready? Yeah. Yeah. This is episode one ten, by the way. Why not? Why not? You are recording already. You were rolling. Thirty minutes on the clock. Thirty minutes. Okay. Hey everybody, welcome to this special live episode of the More Than Just Roundabout Creative Chaos Release Notes podcast, number 110. We're here live in Nashville, Tennessee at Indie Dev Stock, and we thought with all these podcasters in the house, we should um, all get together and record. So we've got from Release Notes, we have Joe Chaplinski. Hello. And from More Than Just Code, we've got Tim Mitra. Hey. And Jaime Lopez Jr. How's it going? And from Roundabout Creative Chaos and Miss Indie Devstock, Ms. Indie Devstock herself, Tammy Coron. You have to share the mic, Greg. <laughs> Hi, guy. Thought we'd start with a code question because you know how much I love the code. So we did get a Ask MTJC from Alicia R. Tweets, and she wants to know maybe we can start with Joe here. Do you ever look back at the code in your old apps and cringe? Yeah, every day. Good answer. <laughs> and would you recode them, or if it ain't broke, dot, dot, dot? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, yeah, I, I've done both. Uh, I've regretted going in and changing something that wasn't broke. It really depends on how much I want to work with that app in the future and how much I think that this particular section of the app is going to need to be revamped anyway down the line. Uh, but in many cases, uh, right now I'm actually avoiding doing an update to one of my apps, uh, my, my aspect ratio calculator, because I'm afraid, like it was my first app, and I'm afraid that if I open it up and add this tiny little feature that I want to add, I'm going to be tempted to do 17,000 other things and six months will go by and that whole thing. So I've been avoiding the update as a result. So See, I can't do that. When I see it, I have to spend that six months to update it. And then I get nothing done. So I don't, how, do you, how are you resisting that temptation? I mean, is it just because you're sitting there and thinking, look, I don't have six months to put in it to do it? And you're disciplined enough to do that? Or are you lying to us and you're really like secretly going away for six months, doing it and coming back? I have the discipline to not do it. I don't have the discipline to open the file and then not do it. So I just don't open the file. Like, like once I go in there, I'm out of it. I know I can't do it. The proverbial stick your head in the right. code stand. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I take a different approach. I, I open, I'll look at apps when a new version of Xcode comes out. I'll see how many warnings there are, and then I'll decide whether I'm going to step away from the, this, the keyboard or not. But generally speaking, I do keep my apps, try to keep my apps up to date with new features and things like that. But, uh, and I have a couple of, couple of major apps that I'm maintaining that are written in an ancient language called Objective-C. And uh, so, you know, we only fix things if we really, really, really have to. So, like the customer loading up the calendar on Xcode 10 yesterday. <laughs> or iOS 10, sorry. Yeah, so I think I took a little bit of a different flavor from the, the questions. I interpreted it as like, you know, we had some folks talk about the, um, like the imposter syndrome thing, right? And like, do you ever look back and be like, oh no, like I was a little baby and I didn't know what I was doing there. And I, I have that feeling with code I've written like literally three weeks ago that I say, oh, this was not great, but yeah, yeah, like, but it got, but it got the job done, right? So the second part, would you recode them or if it ain't broke? It's like, well, Maybe, or it depends, right? So uh, I've been working in the startup world for a while now, and a lot of times, like, oh, the company may not be around for us to even care about this. So no, don't fix it if, if it ain't broke. So when you're writing the code, I kind of touched on this in, in the workshop just before. Are there times when you're sitting there and you're, any of you really, you're 
writing the code and you have this thing, whatever that thing is, this function that needs to happen. And you're, you're trying to get this to work and you, you've, you, you've just, you've basically regurgitated all this code. You threw it up out onto Xcode. It looks horrible. It kind of works enough. Do you go back and fix it? like almost immediately, or, or how long do you let it sit there and fester and grow into this mess that you open it up you know, three days later and go, oh gosh, what was I thinking? I use multiple undos all the time. I'll build something, if I don't save it as a branch, I just back it back away, like I said before. All right, we had one other Ask MTJC that had to do with conferences, but maybe we'll pass on that for a little bit, because I see Jaime has a nice list of stuff <laughs> that he wants to perhaps talk about. Is there something on there you want to bring up? Uh, actually, not in particular, but this is like, uh, for the live show, this is how the sausage is made, so I always have backup topics to make sure we have you know, a nice, enjoyable show for the fans and everything. Um, here's one that maybe is, is near and dear uh, for Joe, right? Because um, you know, sticker packs have come out, and uh, I see a lot of folks uh, at least playfully snarking, like, wow, you, know, you could spend you know, a whole year writing this great app that costs $4.99, nobody cares, everybody thinks it's like a ripoff. Boy almighty, if you come out with some stickers of like cats and food, people can't stop telling their friends about the 499 sticker pack. So maybe you could talk a, a little bit about that because I have sort of my own opinions on why this is an okay thing. Yeah, a lot of developers, it's funny when the sticker packs were announced, I just heard all these people, oh, it's so easy. That's so easy. Like, yeah, once you have the artwork, <laughs> right? I spent a minimum of four to six hours on every single one of the 50 guitars that are in my sticker pack. So add that up and you tell me how easy it was to put together a sticker pack. Uh, you know, so like the, the time I spend on working on something, you know, actually drawing these things. Uh, yeah. I, I, it, but yeah, as far as like what people are willing to pay for, you can't control that. People are willing to pay for whatever. And you know, and yes, it is tragic in some ways that these really great apps aren't getting bought. But at the same time, you know, like it, I, I think sticker packs are really cool and they're fun. I didn't think I would like them until I started actually sending stickers to friends. And I'm like, this is actually kind of cool. Uh, and so I get the appeal uh, and I understand. And it's, it's very much an impulse buy. It's like when you go to the supermarket and you're there, you're right near the checkout aisle. They throw all those little things, fun things at you. That's what the sticker packs are like. It's very impulsive. You're like, oh, your friend sent you this one. You're like, oh, I got to have that. You know, I got to have that cool monster. <laughs> so, yeah, it's there. People will spend money on little things like that. Whereas, you know, with this $5 productivity app, they're like, well, do I really need this? And they'll actually hem and haw over it in a different way. It's, it's, not, it's not an emotional catch to them. Right. I, I looked at it a little bit as like, you know, think about it from like the user side, or at least that's what I'm looking into here. I'm like, well, with a sticker pack, I know exactly what I'm getting, right? Like, I, wow, I really would like to send a Mario or a Sesame Street or the... Uh, Sesame Street, uh, the the uh, the rear end of a Shiba Inu, uh, you know, you know, you might want to really send that to your friends and family, uh, and you know what you're getting, right? It's not like, oh, well, this productivity app is it actually good? Will it actually enhance my life? Will it be supported? Like the stickers, it's there. I have it, right? It's kind of like getting something at like the Starbucks right here in the in the cafe. Like I know exactly what I'm getting for the 5.99 thing. 
Yeah, I was thinking about some artwork that I have stored from way back when. I'm just wondering where I back, if I backed it up, if I still have it. You and I were talking, Jaime, about yesterday about Joe's app. I want to just talk, give him an opportunity to sell that. But um, uh, you were asking, I think, whether he drew each one of those guitars. Is that was the question? Yeah, if they were lovingly handcrafted, because there's yeah. many guitars in the pack. Yeah, I'm all, I, you know, each individual body style was you know done. So like, I'm not allowed to say that these are. Guitars from a certain manufacturer because you know I don't want to be associated in any way, shape, or form and get, and get sued. Uh, yeah, it's an American company making American guitars, and they were drawn by me. But no, the point is, I'm okay in legal territory as long as I don't actually attempt to convey that I'm somehow endorsed by them. Uh, but yeah, so I draw each one of those particular. They're iconic guitars that are like. And they're all done in Illustrator. Uh, but then, you know, the, each once I have a shape of that particular style of guitar, then I'm going to make a sunburst version. I'm going to make a red one. I'm going to make a green one. Like, that's not that hard to make these variations. Or I might put humbuckers in one of them and just leave single coils in another. That kind of a thing. And uh, the other fun thing I did for all of them, because I'm a lefty, so I, I've, as I'm always upset that I, you know, whenever I go into a shop, there's almost never a left-handed guitar for me to even play, let alone try. Uh, you know, I was able to actually you know, put in a little segmented controller. I just press a button, and all the guitars go left-handed. <laughs> so there's actually a hundred images in the app, uh, you know, because even the left-handed ones are more than just flipping it horizontally. There's a little more to it What's than that. Oh, the sticker pack's called the Leo Collection. So for the people who know guitars, they'll know which manufacturer I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, but yeah, that's, that's basically what it's called. Okay, cool. Yeah, I do, as like maybe like the last the show comment. For, that. Will, for the people driving at home, yeah, I think. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, as a, one, I think it's quite good that you're uh, being very legally careful for yourself. I'm very curious, having looked at the early bits of sticker packs that are out there. So I'm a, uh, a gaming fan, as folks who watch the show or listen to the show know. I saw some Sonic the Hedgehog stuff in there, and I looked to see, is that done by Sega? Right. No. Hmm. hmm. I wonder what's going to happen here for Apple as being the curator right. and for right. the you know, owners of the IP. So uh, I just don't know the answer to that. Apple so. doesn't like to get sued on our behalf. We've had apps in the past that they've they've rejected or they've gone back in and said, you can't name Oprah. Oh, did I say it? Oh, did I say it out loud? No, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, and actually I have a little bit of experience just with this too, uh, with my music endeavors, uh, our band airplane mode. There have been three or four other airplane modes on the app, uh, on the iTunes store that because we have a trademark on airplane mode as used in music, we were actually able to contact Apple and say, by the way, we have this trademark and Apple immediately asked them to be removed. So I have a feeling that's, unfortunately the burden is gonna be on Sega to go to Apple and say, hey, there's a Sonic the Hedgehog, you gotta go take this out. But I don't think Apple, like with their staffing or whatever is capable, they must be getting like thousands of sticker pack submissions every day. And so I don't think they're capable of like getting all the IP. Now Sonic probably should have been caught. Um, but you know, certain things that are gonna slip by and then it's gonna be on the burden of the trademark holders. Um, yes, there is a, in the, in the actual guidelines for submitting a sticker pack or uh, iMessage app in general, they say that you have to be able to legally produce written proof that you own the IP. So if Apple requests it, you need to be able to say, yes, this is my artwork, I did this. And it's not some licensed character or whatever. Or if, if I did get a license, then this is the license. How, how long do you think before everyone's like, okay, this, uh, I'm bored now? I mean, because right now it's like a new toy. It's a new toy. It's shiny. It's pretty. And you're, oh, look, messages. Do you think in three months, in six months, in a year, it's still going to have that shininess? Or do you think it's going to wear off and it's going to be, you know, kicked across the road and be like, yeah, 
I'm okay, actually surprised at how much people are playing with it, to be honest with you. Like I, it's, to me, it's like one of those goofy things, but I've been wrong a thousand times before about Apple culture no, you, or technology. Get on of, every single in terms time. Of, in terms of what technology people are going to get into, and it, it seems as a really, I have, I'm not playing Pokemon Go, but I've been watching that kind of stuff grow. And these things, they grow like weeds, and, and you know, <laughs> we, for, for good purposes and bad, I mean, as well, right? So, like, I'm actually thinking, yeah, I got a couple of ideas for it. After we were talking about the Geese Squad sticker pack and an MTJC sticker pack. I mean, what, what's the harm in doing it? And I think they are going to take off, and it's going to be a, a, this goofy fad, and, and it may just go far. Yeah, but Pokemon Go is getting a lot of traction, and I, I have kids that are of age, you know, very oddly enough, I took my kids, one is uh, 13, one just turned 17, and we played Pokemon Go. And we went to a local park, and I was shocked that we ran into a guy that was in his 30s playing it. I mean, it just totally blew my mind. I'm like, don't, don't you have somewhere to go? Why are you playing Pokemon Go? So I'm asking my kids about this, and, and weeks have gone by. I said, so I don't see you guys running around catching Pokemon anymore. He's like, oh, well, we still play, but... The, trend, the trendy people gave up on it. The people mm. who wanted to be like everyone else said, I'm done playing. You all go play. If you're really into it, go play. I kind of feel, and I've been wrong too, very rarely though, Tim, not like you. Um, <laughs> but I, I, think, I think stickers are going to die out. I don't think it's going to be a quick death, but I think it might be a painful death. I thought, I thought these emoji, little emoji things that people use already would be bad, but and this is how the sausage is made, by the way. Jaime always has his finger on this mute button and he has to push to talk, so what do you think, Jaime? I usually cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm going to take a slightly different tack. So I don't know what the future is going to hold, so if you're listening to us right now and you're thinking, wow, like I can make so much money, you're like, what, sign a thing? I'll just go on Google search and just like <laughs> drag some images and, and see if, if Apple catches me. Um, even that aside, I think it, there is evidence that stickers work at least in different cultures, right? So in Asian cultures, so if you are anybody who has used um, Line from Japan or Kakao Talk from uh, South Korea, they're immensely popular. And it's been a whole reason why they've been able to grow as companies is, is just people keep buying and buying you know, popular characters or funny memes. Oh, it's the same meme, but now, you know, it's Halloween, it's Christmas, it's President's Day, it's so on and so forth, right? So I don't know if that will be the same, you know, here in the United States. Uh, certainly it helps if you have a 20-year-old brand that's been proven like a Pokemon Go to, to, to lean on. Um, but I don't know. Like, it, I really honestly don't know if it'll, if it'll die out or not. Who has a magic eight ball? We just, you know, try again later. <laughs> <laughs> I think as far as making money, then yeah, it's going to be like everything else in the app store. Like Disney is going to make, rake in a million dollars a day, yeah. and most of us indies will make a little bit, and that's it. You know, so it, but there's a way more to the iMessage extension capability than just these stickers too. And there's other things you can do, as we saw today. Mommy was doing his talk. Like there are a lot of different kinds of things you can do within iMessage, and I think that's only going to grow. So. Certain fads will, will fade and die out, but I think the idea of apps within apps is a big thing. I think I would not be surprised if next year we're seeing apps inside mail, we're seeing apps, we're already seeing them inside maps. Um, you know, so I think more and more of the built-in apps are gonna be, they're gonna become extendable. 
Uh, and then so if someone makes, you know, like a vector art program, I could sell an extension that adds capability to that art program. And I think that's a whole new opportunity, business opportunity for, for indies. Because, you know, to be Adobe or compete with Adobe is kind of silly right, for me to try to do. But if I make a plug-in tool that works with Photoshop, I can make some serious money with that because I'm, I'm coming into this ecosystem that already exists. And I think once that's possible on iOS and like when I can start extending third-party apps, I think that'll get really interesting. Right. And I think, funny enough, this is another one of those things where there is an Asia corollary, right? So if anybody's familiar with WeChat in China, it's exactly what's going on here with, with iMessage integrations. It's exactly what like Facebook... Uh, not to throw Greg <laughs> on the there, but like the, Facebook is doing that too, right? They, they're inviting people, all of these different folks are inviting people to build stuff that's integrated into their platform that honestly is probably about five years behind with WeChat where people in China say, well, yeah, of course I can do my banking. Of course I can call, uh, I forget, Didi, the, 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 the Chinese Uber and all these other like, wonderful things that we're just sort of like rediscovering here. So, yeah. So Aaron's at home yelling at his phone right now. Do we have another topic? Because he's, <laughs> he's bored about stickers, I'm sure. Yeah, let's do it. I, I do like the increase in extensibility in iOS. I know with Android, people were always yelling about uh, Intense. And now on iOS, we got extensions, as Joe mentioned, now iMessage extensions. So yeah, I think the future look is looking pretty good. Apple is moving at Apple pace, unfortunately. Like the things like SiriKit only having six functions. But I think it'll, I think it'll come. We just have to be patient, as always. But uh, speaking of other cultures and things that work and a little bit of diversity, there's my segue. We have another question from friend of the show, Troy Hanna at Third Beach. And he says, what do you think dev conferences can do to attract more diversity? So I definitely want to hear from Joe and Tammy on this. And y'all have a great time in Nashville. So Tammy, dev conferences, diversity. I know this is something that's near and dear to your heart. It was really difficult for us to have more diversity here because it, actually I don't know why it was difficult. I mean, we, we did everything we could to get more women speakers, more, you know, just more cultures. We, we reached out to people, but one of the things that we discovered is particularly with, with the women speakers and the, the women attendees, and I don't mean any disrespect. I mean, there, there are a lot of single dads out there and families that dad, has to be there. But there's a lot more where mom has to be there. And I'm, I'm strictly speaking of children, right? It's hard for women to walk away from their families for three days, for four days. And it's not just walking away for three and four days, especially if they're a speaker, because there's time in prepping the talk. There's time in practicing the talk. There's the travel time. There's, you know, when we're done here, we're not done here because we're all going to go back. Yes, we're going to go and eat dinner and, and things like that, but we have more work to do. We get, my husband is sitting right there. So he's, he's had to deal with me leaving for certain things, and I rarely have time to call him. I basically send a text message that says, I hope everyone, in this case, I hope no one burned the house down. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> Famous they last did. Word. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I rarely have time to do more than that. And it's difficult for women. It's difficult for single dads, you know. So it was very hard for us to get more women, and I think that's the reason why. We were very fortunate, though, that... You know, this entire conference, the Indie Dev Stock, was put on by women. I mean, we do have men on staff, 
But it was really just a bunch of women sitting there thinking about how can we bring more diversity? And it, please don't hear what I'm not saying. It wasn't just about diversity. I mean, we didn't, we didn't pass up uh, the single white guy talk because we wanted more women. We looked at the talks. We, we decided, you know, what, what is this? There was no um, preference given. But I will say that we, we reached more in to try and pull diversity out. And we had a good selection. I think, I think that we hit the mark. If I don't die by the end of this weekend, and if my house doesn't catch on fire again while I'm gone, um, <laughs> next year <laughs> we'll try even harder you know, to bring it up. I don't know, Joe, what kind of experience have you had with it? Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's... Uh we're not doing a good enough job, but I don't, like you were saying, there are circumstances that make it simply more difficult for women to come to these kinds of things and to commit to them. Uh, and so it's not just a matter of, oh, well, you just are going out of your way to go pick all these white guys and you don't, you're not listening, you're not even trying. It's like, well, no, we're trying, but you know, it, it's, it, it, everything about a conference is very different when you run it <laughs> compared to when you go to one. Uh, and you start to realize just how hard some things are, and you start approaching the way you look at other conferences that you go to with a very different kind of critical eye, and you say to yourself, well, you know what, I, I failed there too, or I couldn't get that done. One of the things that excited me when I heard about this conference was that it was being run by women. I was, I, I was immediately like, wow, there's something that this community needs. It needs to see women actually running the show, <laughs> you know, and... Uh, we really do. Uh in the background. In general, but I'm saying it needs to be it needs to actually be advertised. I, I always say that the, the men wear the pants in the family, but the women we tell you which ones to put on. Well, so. I, I always say behind every successful man is a is a surprised woman. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, and so, yeah, like I said, like, it, it's getting better too slowly, just like we were saying earlier with Apple, every, everything uh, travels too slowly and you want to see things immediately change and get, uh, you know, become the way they ought to be. But uh, it's easy to forget that there's progress being made. We just have to keep at it and we have to keep, like, don't give up on that because it's, it's extremely important. Um, but yeah, even getting speakers has been tough for us. Uh, you know, we had, well, when we first uh, announced our lineup this year, we had uh, about 40% female speakers, uh, women. Uh, and uh, we had, unfortunately, one had to back out. She had to, uh, you know, she had another family commitment she couldn't get out of. And so then we had to replace her and we tried very desperately to find someone else. And like, we ended up replacing her with a white male and that like, I love him to death and he's gonna give a great talk, but I'm like, I wish we hadn't gotten into that situation necessarily. Like it wasn't for lack of trying. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, but again, I don't wanna excuse itself and say, oh, we, were, we did it perfectly and this is just the way it is. Like that's not the right way to approach it either. It's like, no, we gotta get better at this, but like, we're open to hearing ideas of people got a good ideas, you know. What about just beyond the conference experience? I mean, bringing women into STEM just in general. I mean, how yeah. as how as a community, I'm all about trying to find a problem and come up with a solution that involves more than just one brain. How can we as a community bring more women and more people who think that, hey, look, all those people out there who I admire are smarter than me. There's no way I'm going to be able to do what they're doing. How do we break down that barrier? Yeah, 
Well, I don't know. Give <laughs> me the answer, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, part of it is, uh, I think, that inspiring confidence and letting people know that, you know, uh, we're not perfect either. Maybe, maybe it looks that way from the outside sometimes when you're just... Part of the problem is if you're trying to promote yourself as an indie anything, right? You're trying to run a business. You're trying to project confidence. You're trying to project that, hey, I can handle, I can make this all better for you. I can do all this stuff great. And so I have to act like I've got my act together. But unfortunately, people who are out there are looking at that and thinking, wow, he's really got his act together. And they're not seeing the behind the scenes of me being scared out of my mind and me doing things wrong and making missteps every five minutes because I'm hiding that from you so that you will hire me, <laughs> right? So it's not that I'm, you know, better, perfect, smart. It's that I'm just better at hiding it than maybe other people are and it's once people realize like once i realized that i think there was a famous quote from steve jobs actually it was he said they you know, all these things are made by human beings <laughs> right you you think that like it's like this magic is happening behind the scenes like no the human being who's flawed made that thing and you could too uh, and so there, there's no reason uh, to let that attitude defeat you. But yeah, a lot of people, unfortunately, are brought up in a, you know, in a society that is telling them all the time, you're no good or this, you can't do this. Uh, you know, you shouldn't be interested in math and, and, and so on and so forth. You hear these things and it just kills me when I hear like anybody telling a young person there's something they can't do. Uh, you know, it just, you know, that bothers me because that wasn't, you know, I was fortunate enough to not have that experience. I grew up you know, privileged and was, was able to you know, believe that I could do anything I wanted to do. And I want that for everybody. Yeah, we definitely need to change the message, starting with the young kids. Are you pointing at me? No, no, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you have anything else quick on your uh, list, actual paper and pen list of topics that you might want to talk about? Something quick. I mean, they actually kind of relate to this, and I, I think it's not just bringing people in certainly there is like that that talk of like the pipeline problem of like getting folks uh at a younger age uh, you know women and all sorts of other uh folks who are not typically represented in the industry in uh, i'm also been thinking a lot about like let's make sure we don't boot them out either right so i i can't talk about any details but even just talking to folks here in the hallways about some of the interview experience they have i'm like that's terrible are we still really interviewing people that way it's like that that's not a cool way to do it. And, and thinking a little bit outside of the box, and, and Janie, uh, Janie Clayton had you know, a, a session that talked about you know, thinking outside of like areas of diversity people even normally think about, right? So I think just continue to have that conversation, continue to think about, like, well, is this actually strictly necessary or is this just the way we've always done it? And, and that's why we end up the way we are. All right, well, if you hand Tammy the mic then, I think we can, it's almost time to wrap up. Are and of course, picks? It wouldn't be, no, we're not doing picks, don't oh, yeah, worry. We, oh, come on. But it I wouldn't be an though. episode of more than just code roundabout release notes unless we entered, and I got the key, if we entered the chaotic studio. Oh, okay. So, Tammy, I have a series of questions. If we could do it rapid fire, if you, if you please. Wait, you're going to ask me? So, Tammy, <laughs> what is your favorite? <laughs> I sh Revenge is a meal best served cold. <laughs> Uh, Tammy herself has noted that she has answered these questions on the website, but we can all check and make sure she doesn't have her phone with her. So, Tammy, what is your favorite color? When am I allowed to change my answers? I've grown as a person today. Exactly. So my answers might change. Okay. Okay. Favorite color? Black. What is your, what is your least favorite color? Oh, goodness. Pink. Yep. <laughs> Popular answer. What is your favorite word? I'm going to apologize right now, but my favorite word is fuck. <laughs> We're going to have to mark this episode as explicit now. Tim, what is your least favorite word? Not puck. 
The Kalex Studio, who knew? What do you hate most, your biggest pet peeve? People being told that they can't do something. Not, not the people who are being told that, but the people who are saying that to the people. I just want to throat punch anyone who says, you can't do it. <laughs> We had people driving their car home in their cars and throat punching. I think we've hit all of the uh, all the memes here. <laughs> Who is your favorite fictional character? That is a tough one because I have so many favorite fictional characters. Let me think. See, this this is where editing comes in because that long pause I edited out in, in roundabout. Um, so I'm just gonna off the cuff because Captain Picard. <laughs> Picard. I'm doing the. Picard facepalm right now for those uh, <laughs> those driving at home. Uh, who is your role model? Again, I have so many. Um, my mom is my role model for one on on the you know life side of things because she she raised two kids on her own. My dad wasn't able to be there, so she was very strong in my life. My husband, who's sitting in the back room, he's another role model because he was the one who said, "Look, I love you how you are." which kind of messed up, but I still love you. So he taught me unconditional love. So he's my role model for that. And Simon, you're back there. You're my role model for developers. What is your biggest dream? To be like Simon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> my biggest dream is to um, get on a plane and not be afraid and travel the world and um, hopefully have my family come along with me that would be nice starting with ireland right yes i'll be in ireland speaking at yule 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 oh i got it Ool. <laughs> what is your greatest achievement as of right now not counting my kids and staying married for almost eight 19 we, we've been married a long time sorry honey <laughs> um this conference right now, I mean, 10 months ago, Indie Dev Stock, 10 months ago, it wasn't even a blip on the radar. So, yeah, right now. What do you regret the most? This conference. <laughs> <laughs> I should have seen that one coming. If you could choose another profession, what would it be? And don't say conference organizer. <laughs> I think if I could choose another profession, it would be being a professional artist. I, I suffer greatly from imposter syndrome and people tell me that, oh, you know, your work is really good, but I see people, uh, Will Terry is a really good friend of mine. He's a children's book illustrator. And to me, that's a professional artist. He's so good. Go get his stuff. <laughs> so that would be the other career hmm. for me. And the most important question, what would you do in a zombie apocalypse? Survive at all costs. And one of the reasons I put that question in my show was so I can help to build my zombie apocalypse army. So if you answer, if you're on the show and you answer that question correctly, you'll be in the army. You can come to Tennessee. we got the bunker. We'll hang out when the virus clears out, because I'm pretty sure it's going to be a virus that starts it. It's probably going to be one of my jerk friends or family that actually kicks it off. But uh, yeah, that, that's what I would do, survive. And you can't... It, it doesn't matter if it's fast zombies or slow zombies or a tornado or a house fire. You just kind of do whatever you have to do to survive. But you have to understand that you still need to be a human being at the end of the day. I don't mean to sound cliche and bumper stickery. But, uh, yeah, if, you, if you're a 
I almost said a really bad word. If you're not a really good person, it's not going to matter if you survive because everyone will leave you. So you need to not only keep yourself safe, but the people you love. I get that on the bumper sticker. Yeah. I don't know how you're going to fit it. Like two point font. (laughs) I'd find a way to condense it. All right. Well, it's always my job to keep things on time. Shorter shows, right, Tim? Tim is nodding. So, so hey, that. Greg, if uh, people want to look for you on the internet, where would they find you? They should go to Twitter. I'm at Greg Heo, G-R-E-G-H-E-O. And Tammy, if people want to find you on the interweb? I am uh, Paradox927, and you can also find me um, pretty much anywhere. I'm here. <laughs> and Jaime? I am also on Twitter as at Dev with the Hair. Joe? Uh, I'm at uh, Twitter at jhplinski, C-I-E-P-L-I-N-S-K-I. And as usual, my name is Tim Mitra. I'm T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on Twitter. And we'll see you guys next week, or t- next time, I guess. And we'll all say goodbye now. All right. Bye. 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 <laughs> and scene. <laughs> but you never see. And you just listened to the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items that we talk about on the show as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press the recommend button. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter... Once again, the podcast's Twitter account is at mtjc underscore podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.